Trauma. Identity. Transformation. All are stretched and distorted into unrecognizable infinity as they approach the singularity at the center of the black hole. We remain here as witnesses, studying the results and transmitting our findings to anyone who will listen. Coming to you live from the edge of the event horizon, this is the Quantum Reactor. A sci-fi movie review podcast starring two brave souls with stars in our eyes and quasars in our hearts. My name is Jeremy Cobb. And my name is Andrew Coons. Both our pronouns are he, him. And you said nothing comes back, but something has. <laughs> it's a mysterious, mysterious quote. Dear, let's just, we're going to have another, just, let's just make it a half hour of, ooh, ah. Ooh. Ooh, it's the ooh. Jeff Goldblum episode. We just boy. lost Actually, all our listeners. Just... <laughs> what? Well, no, if you're a fan of this, you have to be a fan of Jeff Goldblum. That's fair. That's very fair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the podcast uh, uh, finds a way. <laughs> yes. Um, so, we're here to talk about the 2018 movie, Annihilation, written and directed by Alex Garland, starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Nuvotny, and Oscar Isaac. And Benedict Wong, another Benedict Wong film. He's everywhere. This, is the, this, this podcast really is just the Benedict Wong multiverse. I love it. The Wongtum Reactor. Oh, God. Oh. oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of love it. I kind of love it. Uh, yeah. This is a movie and a half. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this movie is a full course meal. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to enjoy every single course, but you are going to chew your food and clean your plate uh, with this one. Uh, there is yes. a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get into. Uh, we've both seen this movie multiple times. Uh, and mm-hmm. had somewhat different reactions, but I think both of us uh, benefited from a second watching as well uh, on yes. this one. Yes, and, this is uh, a very thematically rich movie, I would say. One of the more thematically rich movies that we have analyzed. And in fact, I think more so than a lot of the others, a lot of this movie trades on its themes. Mm. Like, everything, everywhere, all at once absolutely trades on its themes, but it also has so much energy and propulsion and comedy and other stuff yeah. so that you can just be like, oh, okay, I'm just having a good time. Yep. Uh, this movie, there are large portions where you, if you're not following the themes, you'll be like, what? What is happening? Yep. Yep. This is not a look at your phone while the movie's going type of movie. You've got to pay attention. I would liken without, you know, no spoilers on plot, no spoilers on my review. I would liken this movie more than any other, like, like to another movie would be 2001, A Space Odyssey. That's exactly what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. And just yeah. in terms of its tone, its pacing, although it's not as slowly paced as 2001. Um, yeah. But it's it's vibe, it's themes, it's it's richness and depth of the way it explores those themes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. this It feels like a more modern 2001. Yeah. Especially the degree to which it, like, trades on imagery. Yes. I still think 2001's imagery is more striking. Mm. Uh, 2001 is obviously also much more of a technical achievement yes. than this was. Uh, and 
weirdly, I mean, I, I know 2001 is not using, like, a pre-written score for the movie. It's, it's using actual classical pieces, but the music in 2001 is also more memorable. Mm. The use of music is more memorable than it is in almost all of this movie until the end. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a little bit of a, a criticism I have of the film. I think we could have just done more with some of the music. I think mm. there's there's elements of it that I'm like, oh, this is, this is okay, I, I think this is effective, this works. Other times I'm like, we could have done more with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, not letting the spoilerometer peak too much, but the the ending theme is very much. I mean, I can hear it in my head right now. Um, yes. I can't say that I remember any of the music throughout the rest of the film, um, but the ending, for multiple reasons, hits hard for sure. <laughs> yes, um, and for those of you who have not seen this movie, yes. uh, this is a, a sort of sci-fi horror. Uh-huh. Um, it is not. It's violent, and there's definitely some gore. It is, I would say, it, it's not as violent as, say, The Terminator. No. Um, I would say it is. there's nothing in here that is as brutal as the Terminator uh, fixing itself sequence, <laughs> in my opinion. But there are some pretty violent parts. There's also just a lot of, there's a fair amount of, like, body horror, uh, and then just general psychological horror as well. Yeah, psychological horror is how I would classify this. And I, and I would posit that because of the tone and the way it trades on its themes and whatnot, the moments of violence in this movie, for me, hit harder than mm-hmm. any of the moments of violence in something like The Terminator, which is kind of violent from the start to the finish. Um, mm. And because it punctuates things. Yeah, The Terminator, you're like, oh, 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 oh. This movie, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Yep. Which, yeah, it's a very different feeling. Yep. Um, I Should we give, like, I think for this one, because it is not a plot-driven movie, and yet... I think there's still just let's get up to sure. the the at the beginning of I guess Act Two. Sure. I think we can give the premise of the film leading up to the beginning of Act Two without really spoiling much. Yes. Yep. And forgive me if I get some of the things out of order because the film also plays very much with its editing, and certain scenes mm-hmm. are presented in ways. Uh, there are flashbacks. There are flash forwards. There's all sorts of different things that uh, it plays with kind of time a little bit uh, with your with your brain as well. So, as best as I can kind of sum up the beginning of this movie and, and kind of the the overall plot of of what's getting us into things. Um, mm-hmm. We meet Lena, um, Natalie Portman's character, and her husband Kane returns home. Uh, Kane is in the military. There's a scene before that. I got to oh, pause right. you. There's that's already right. there's already a scene before that. Yep. See, I and can't even what keep Andrew, it <laughs> Exactly. What what Andrew is saying about the the jumping timelines is very true. And another thing on top of that, they give you no indication no. other than just what you're watching. Yes. Of what time you are in. Which so I there personally are love. <laughs> I will say. Mm. I love that it, it makes hel- you think. Yes, and it also makes the movie, I think it adds to the disorienting tone. This movie is very intentionally trippy. Yes. And I use that word specifically because I think it is actually attempting to be trippy uh, at times. So do you want to set up that opening scene? Yes. Uh, The opening scene is Lena, Mm -hmm. but she's actually being interrogated by the man himself, Benedict Wong. Uh, Benedict Wong is there in a hazmat suit. She's in some kind of facility. Uh, There are all these other people all in hazmat suits just observing this interaction. It's some kind of like, it appears that she's in some kind of medical quarantine because she is not in a hazmat suit. She was, what we gather is that she was on some kind of trip or expedition for four months 
but the amount of food that she had would not have covered nearly that amount of time. Right. Uh, her, her, her team, because apparently there was a team, did not have enough rations for that period. She cannot remember what she ate. Right. In fact, she can't remember what happened to her fellow travelers. Uh, she she doesn't seem to remember much of all of anything. No, it's, and it's a very the it, the filmmakers put you in sort of her shoes and the people interrogating her at the same time. Uh, right mm -hmm. at the beginning of the film, of like we we don't have any answers either. There's not some sort of setup scene that shows what happened to her. Uh, you're just dropped right in the middle of this interrogation. Yes, and they ask her like, "Well, what do you remember?" And then she we just kind of have a shot of her being like, "Whoa!" And the next thing we see is of a meteor heading towards Earth, yep. slamming into the ground near a lighthouse. Like, mm -hmm. it hits a lighthouse, in fact. Slams into a lighthouse, and weird stuff starts happening, and then we cut back to uh, where Andrew was about yes. to bring us so, in. So after that initial disorienting setup, we kind of enter a little, some, some more traditional type stuff. Um, I, there's a lot of kind of jumping around. I'm gonna just hit the top plot points here. Essentially, Lena's husband, Kane, played by Oscar Isaac, returns home from military deployment of some type. Mm -hmm. and He'd been gone for a year. Been gone for a year, and he does not appear to be himself. He feels, he, he seems very traumatized. Um, you kind of start to project this idea of, oh, he's got PTSD or something from, from mm -hmm. some sort of battle he was in. Uh, and Lena's very worried about this and, and kind of, you know, asking him probing questions and whatnot. And essentially he starts to convulse and kind of go into like what you might think is cardiac arrest or something like that mm -hmm. and ends up in kind of uh, the hospital or, or more specifically ends up being uh, kind of whisked away into uh, this camp, this scientific camp. Uh, yes. And, and Lena is at her wit's end of what to do to help him. Uh, and that's where, I'll let you kind of take it from here, that's where some of the, the military plot starts to come in. Yes, and I actually do want to drop in a couple tidbits of information that I think are important for the beginning as sure. well. Um, Lena, when we first meet her, she is a scientist. She's yes. a biologist. Yes. Uh, and she seems to be teaching at some kind of university or facility. Uh, one of her colleagues seems to want to like go on some kind of a date with her, mm -hmm. but she refuses. Yeah. Uh, and there's an indication that her husband, Kane, is actually dead right. and has been gone for, the, like, him being gone for a year was not a not plan. Not plan, like, right. Uh, Yes, uh, the, I think the idea was whatever mission he went on, he would have returned much sooner. And so he has been assumed dead this entire time. She is still holding on to maybe the memory of him or something. And then when he comes home, his his uh, detached, dazed affect is in stark contrast to her tears of joy right. uh, and, and hugging him. And then it's not just that we go to a military facility. He's on the ambulance, which is suddenly a attacked by the military right. who like commandeer it, grab his stretcher, drag yep. him off as he's spitting up blood, sedate uh, Lena as she's like, no, and screaming for her <laughs> husband. And then she wakes up in the facility. Right. Um, she's told by this woman uh, played by Jennifer Jason Lee called Dr. Ventress that her husband's organs are shutting down. Uh -huh. um, apparently, he has the expedition that he went on because I should mention he doesn't seem to have any memory of his expedition, like of what his mission was. Right. He's unable to give any details of this. Uh, and Dr. Ventress is basically like, look, there's this thing. It's called the Shimmer. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It's some kind of an, it's essentially an anomaly. No one's quite sure what it is. Uh, she lists a couple of things of like how some people are interpreting it, including like some kind of a religious thing. Yeah. Uh, people are not entirely sure, but it basically, all attempts to investigate it have proved fruitless. They have sent in drones. They have sent in teams. They have they've tried to drop in sensors. Nothing has returned. Not a single thing. And as no we get one, our first, no as we get our first look at the Shimmer uh, itself, it is this almost dome-like, force field-ish looking, you know, obstruction out beyond a field. Uh, they've kind of set up their military camp away from it. And mm -hmm. it reminds me a little bit of the scenes from WandaVision where they're at the town <laughs> and they're on the outside and she's yeah. kind of got everything blocked off. But in a much less techy way, it's very organic looking. Um, mm -hmm. And it does shimmer. Rainbowy. Rainbowy, exactly. It almost looks like an oil slick or something. Exactly um, what I was thinking. All over the place. And it just sits there as this kind of ominous thing, but they start to talk about how it's growing. And it's going, and it's expanding, and it has expanded. And this is where the time jump stuff starts to come in because you start to realize that uh, that meteor that we saw was a while ago, and that the military has been keeping tabs on whatever has grown out of that explosion uh, and started to expand for quite some time. Uh, and yeah, mm -hmm. there's it, for three it, years, in fact, for three years, and it and it. It's here that I, I love the way it does start to build the tone of everything. I mean, obviously, it's very disorienting. It's very kind of jumping you around at the beginning. But it does kind of settle into kind of this, this almost this feeling of everyone just sit. Like, I love the scenes where they're kind of sitting around having dinner, uh, her and some of the other mm -hmm. the people there. And they, it's just kind of there in the background, right? It's just this encroaching mm -hmm. thing. It's almost like a slow zombie uh, that's walking towards you that no one knows how to yeah. stop. Or a slow apocalypse. Yeah. Like, you can see the mushroom cloud beginning to rise. You can see the shockwaves approaching. Yep. And there's nothing, you don't know you how to stop You can't do anything it. to stop it. Yeah, it's beautifully horror, beautiful horror done very well. Mm -hmm. And there is, basically, the hook of the film mm -hmm. is that they're about to send another invest, another investigation team, another yes. team, a mission. This time, instead of sending in military personnel, they are in fact sending in scientists. All of these scientists happen to be women, and in including Dr. Ventress. Dr. Ventress is desperate to find out what this shimmer is. She wants to go to this lighthouse and figure it out. And Lena specifically asks to join the mission yes. because she says she feels she owes her husband. We're not exactly sure why that is or what she means, but uh, I can already hear the, the spoiler on her starting to go <laughs> it's off. Starting to, it's starting to beep with that one. Yep. Yes. <laughs> the, this is pretty much where we leave you as, as this group of, I believe, one, two, three, four, five women? Yeah. To start five with, yep. women. Yes, um, are heading towards the Shimmer. Um, and I will say, for right now, uh, if you're going to be watching this film, and also for our discussion, uh, there are references to uh, self-harm, uh, there are references to suicide. Uh, it's there's a lot of there's some discussion of mental health and mental illness and that sort of thing and themes of mental health and mental illness mm -hmm. as well. So be forewarned. Uh, but we, I'm gonna start getting ready to go head on into All the right. spoiler chamber. Let's shoot up, we gotta dig into up. the meat of this. Yeah, hoods on, snap mm -hmm. on the gloves. Here goes the door yep. and yep. and we are. All right. Safe. But are we? <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone really? Um, 
Andrew, I want to start this one off. Rather than like trying to talk about uh, the plot, I mean, we should oh, gosh, absolutely yeah. talk about. It. I we wanna, we would I spend the whole episode just trying to recap the plot. <laughs> yes, I want to ask you. What do you think are some of the primary themes of this film? From where you're sitting, yeah. like your interpretation yeah. of it. So I think just to be helpful here, the 30 second breakdown of the plot from this point on is that as these women explore the shimmer, they begin to find uh, more and more instances of biological conversion, of mutations, of plants merging with animals. Uh, different animals merging together. It gets very weird very fast, and it also starts to mess with their minds. They wake up and can't remember how long they've been asleep for, uh, and time starts to act weird, and the deeper and deeper they get in, the stranger things are. And in the time that they're there, through a series of different encounters with different creatures or or even uh, some of the, the DNA aspects of this shimmer itself, uh, they start to get picked off. <laughs> Mm -hmm. one by one and we'll talk about some of those instances as well yeah until really i mean we're in the spoiler chamber until really lean is the only one left and that mm -hmm. brings us to the ending of the film which we will definitely spend some time talking about mm -hmm. as they have this journey i feel like the themes for me i mean the whole movie feels like one big intense therapy session to mm. me um it's very much about confronting your own demons and your own guilt and your mm -hmm. own shame um, for things that maybe you've done or just things that, that you feel like are your faults or whatnot. Uh, it's, it's a, I feel like guilt is like the word that comes to mind when I think about this movie. Mm. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Lena. Uh, we find out that that person who had been asking her out on a date of sorts, uh, she's actually been having an affair with um, mm -hmm. and that she is feeling guilty for that. And maybe that's why she owes her husband. Um, yeah, and she even suspects all... that that's the reason that he went in there for, in the first mm -hmm. place. Yep, that he to, went on the mission, kind of get away uh, from that whole situation a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, oh gosh, each character is so rich and each story is so interesting to dive into. Um, Ventress, we find out has, I believe, it's terminal cancer. Yep, terminal um, cancer. Yep, and she's dying and is kind of using this mission as a way to give some meaning to her life. Um, maybe figure out a cure, maybe figure out uh, one last mystery. Yeah, uh, the meaning of it all, maybe. The meaning of it all, yeah. Um, you know, we find out that Tessa Thompson's character, uh, uh, Josie, um, dealt with a lot of self-harm mm -hmm. and has scars all over her arms. Uh, and I, I want to come back to her character because of all the encounters, I think hers is my favorite um, mm. in terms of how hers ends. Um but no, I mean, it, it's really just a, as cool as the plot is, and as cool as the visuals are, and how trippy some of the, the sci-fi DNA splicing type stuff is, it's all in service of these women kind of turning the mirror on themselves mm -hmm. and seeing their own mistakes, dreams, desires, you know, all sorts of stuff. So that's that's kind of where my head goes when I think about the, the major themes. Mm, yeah. I, I'm I'm there with you. I think for me now, I should say up front, my interpretation of the movie is uh, heavily influenced by uh, a video that I, I mm. we should probably put in the show notes. Uh, yes, by we will. Dan Olson, folding ideas uh, called "Annihilation and Decoding Metaphor," uh, in which he argues that the film the 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 shimmer is a metaphor for pain. 
and trauma. Mm. Uh, and upon rewatch, I have to agree. Um, I think there's a lot of things to look at in terms of how that manifests. So, for example, mm -hmm. the fact that when they enter the, the... Well, first of all, the fact that each of them has a trauma, uh, yeah. a, a serious thing that has happened in their life uh, that has a kind of led them to this point. So in the case of Natalie Portman, it's, the, it's her guilt over having cheated on her husband, as well as the pain and trauma of having lost him. Uh, seemingly for a year. Um, in the case of, as you said, Dr. Ventress, it is her terminal cancer. Uh, in the case of Josie's character, it's the self-harm. In the case of Anya, yep. it is she is a recovering addict. Um, mm -hmm. In the case of Cass, she lost her daughter to leukemia. And there's a very mm -hmm. key line that she mentions. She also thinks that she lost herself. She lost two people. She lost her daughter, and she lost the person that she used to be. And yeah. from the moment that all of those women enter... In, in a way, it's two bereavements, she says. Exactly. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and from the time that those women enter the Shimmer, the next scene we see is of them in having like wake, woken up from having set camp, and none of them can remember having set the camp. Yeah. They have all experienced lost time. And very interesting, uh, memory loss and lost time are symptoms associated yep. with various dissociative disorders, uh, all of which uh, psychological, I guess, uh, this uh, psychological wisdom uh, currently holds, tend to descend from trauma. Yep. And also of depression. Depression mm -hmm. often. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so right off the bat, we have like an element that is clearly tied to mental illness. Uh, and I think from then on, it's, it's when we start to see how each of them confront those aspects of themselves. Yes. Uh, that I think we, yeah. Uh, do you want to, well, you jump in. Who would you like to, should we go in order of what happens to each of them? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm honestly trying to remember which one was the first one. Uh, I Cass. Say it was Cass is the first. Cass. One. She's yeah, taken yeah, by yeah. The bear. Okay. Yep. Yep. I was. I couldn't remember if the bear was the very first thing or not. Well, they have the so weird intense. scene with the alligator or the crocodile right, that yeah. has like the shark teeth or the shark yep. pattern. The shark teeth patterns. And they start to get this idea of like DNA merging, of of mm -hmm. DNA splicing. That the shimmer is pulling DNA out from different organisms and mixing it and combining. And causing it. the transform uh, as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's really important when we talk about the bears. So yes. Um, so yeah, they've all set up camp, and uh, Cass is uh, doing guard duty and gets taken by something, uh, and <laughs> it's so wild. Like they they do a great job with the uh, with the cinematography and kind of the horror elements here of showing kind of like they don't show too much. You just hear a lot. You see holes in the fence uh, and whatnot. Um, and what they find out after uh, a while is they find that a bear took her because that bear comes back. Mm -hmm. However, that bear comes back in a very mutated form where it is a merging of the bear and a merging of Cass. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically in the vocals and the yes. way the bear roars and talks, it sounds like Cass screaming and, and crying for help. Yes. Somehow the, the last remnants of her dying were gathered and you know merged with this bear. And it is truly one of the most chilling scenes in all of moviedom uh, yeah. that I've ever seen uh, as this bear kind of stalks them. Because 
Anya kind of starts to go a little nuts uh, over all of this and ties up everybody and basically is is kind of mutinying a little bit uh, in the middle of this mission. And while they're all tied up, the bear returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all tied to these chairs with the bear kind of sniffing around them and, and it's like half deformed and it's like its skull is exposed and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, and there's actually a partially formed human skull growing. If you look really closely, there's a partially formed Ooh, human skull growing out of the side of its face. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that the first, or the last time I watched it. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard okay, to see. Cool. It's very yeah. dark. But yeah, there's yeah. a partially formed. Like I think there's, you could even see like the beginnings of an eye in there, okay. which is like ugh. Ugh, so good. Yeah, so good. But I, but you know, okay. So they have that encounter and whatnot, and it's super creepy. But I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Just if we have this idea of okay, we've got these themes of pain, trauma, guilt, shame. Um, mm-hmm. How does the bear factor in? Why why is that the method of on uh, of Cass's uh, demise? See, now here's what I think. I don't think that the fact that it's a bear. I, the, the fact that it's bear uh, might be important thematically. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how. I see it more as an outside, uncontrollable force mm. that Cass could not have prevented, could not have yep. seen coming, that destroyed who she was. Mm. In much the same way that losing her daughter to leukemia, something she could not really have prepared for, could not have seen coming, it essentially just came for her and destroyed her. Uh, yeah. And Which very much mirrors the way she was taken, just poof, snatched yeah. out of the dark. I will yeah. say this is this is one slight criticism I have of her initial the initial attack scene. I think the whole thing with the fence is great. The problem I have is I wasn't sure where I wasn't entirely clear on where Cass was spatially uh, in relation yeah. to everyone else. Like the way it was shot when it suddenly cuts to a different angle of Cass and then like yep. a bear just pops out of nowhere and grabs her and yoinks her out of frame. I was like what? Like, part of yeah. me is like, oh, no. But also it's like, wait, what? Who, who was that? Yeah, there feels What's like a little, little bit of loss of continuity there for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's where I think a clearer visual language actually would have served it better. If, if I mm-hmm. knew where Cass was, I think I would have been more like, oh, no, as opposed to just yep. like, huh? Um, yep. But, yeah, I think that that is absolutely a function of like a, a, a parallel to what happened to Cass and her pain and trauma that she was cons- yep. ultimately consumed and destroyed by it. I This might be a little trite, but I'll throw it out there because, I mean, you, you think about the term mama bear, right? Oh. And you think about her being a mother who lost her child. I mean, think about it. It could have been any animal that it was, so why would they choose the writer or the director choose a bear? I mean, I think there's a possibility that there's a little bit of something to be said there. Yeah, of, and maybe it's in know, the book because neither of us have read the perhaps, book. Perhaps, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, I could see that. That's a very interesting yeah. take on it. Yeah, um, I yeah, I, I I'm cool with that interpretation. Um, I, I and think it could be both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, well, and then the next death in the group is in fact Anya, who, yeah. as we said, is losing her grip. There's a there's a question as they first enter the shimmer of what had happened to all these other groups, and the two yep. conclusions that have been drawn are either the shimmer destroyed them or they destroyed themselves. And she, now this is something that Dan Olson pointed out that I did not catch, which I think is actually very important to to kind of talking about what happened to her. She has an Ouroboros tattoo on her left arm, her left forearm. Uh, We see it a few times. Mm -hmm. The the film doesn't really emphasize it, but it's there. 
Um, and then on, in one of the most famous scenes, uh, they find at a military base, uh, they find the, a videotape of yes. of Kane, uh, of, of um, Alina's <laughs> husband, Kane. And his whole troop. Yep. Yeah, with one of their members. They have this dude in a chair. Kane takes a knife, apparently with the guy's consent, uh, and be- basically slices open the guy's abdomen and to reveal that his innards are moving and look like snakes or eels or vines and they are twisting yeah. and moving and shifting and it's a yeah. deeply horrific and disturbing scene uh, yes. and the, of course the women are horrified and shocked but then they find the corpse of that man having essentially fruited like he has turned yeah. into a fungal growth on very the, the last of us looking yes uh, yeah. Yeah, and shocking and disturbing and beautiful at the same time. Right. And what's really interesting is in that scene, we can see we can see the watch on his arm. It's like, "Oh, it's the same guy." But he also has the Ouroboros tattoo mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Uh, as if like to say that there's a connection between him and Lena. And Lena feels like this dude is being consumed by something that he can't get rid of. Uh, yep. and uh, excuse me, not Lena. Uh, Anya. Uh, Anya is mm-hmm. thinking this. This dude, she sees herself in this guy, and we even see yep. that in the scene when she ties them up. Because the reason she ties them up is because she discovered that Lena, who had lied about not knowing the teams that had come before, had lied about mm-hmm. Cass being or Kane being her husband. Uh, she discovers that Lena was in fact married to Kane, uh, and right. so she no longer trusts her. She's losing her grip. She's Big paranoid. conspiracy theory. Yep. Exactly. She gets super paranoid. Kind of like a drug deal. freak out. Perhaps. Yep. Uh, I would say that's kind of the, the behavior. She's sweating. Um, mm, she yep. she kind of crumples to the ground and says, if you tied me to one of those chairs and cut me open, would my insides move mm. like that guy? And she Ugh. even sees a connection between her and that guy. Yeah. Uh, and what ends up destroying her is she's <laughs> on the verge of slicing open Lena <laughs> to see if yep. her insides move when she hears the screams, uh, when she right. hears Cass's screams from outside, which she assumes yep. is Cass. Cass must be alive, even though by this point, uh, Lena has found Cass's corpse and right. knows that she was gruesomely killed by something. And yep. uh, so, uh, so Anya goes running out to go and find and of course is mauled by the bear. The bear then comes in, terrorizes the group. Anya comes back in, shoots the bear, and is killed by the bear. You Mm -hmm. could argue that her death is similar to the, she is destroyed by, rather than being destroyed by something she couldn't have predicted, she is someone whose choices led her to a self, to a, a destruction that she could not avoid. With every, yeah, she chose to tie everybody else up, didn't have any backup, didn't have any support, had to fight this thing alone. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you think about someone who's struggling with addiction, you know, someone who maybe cuts other people off or ruins, burns bridges, ruins relationships, and then has to fight that mm-hmm. addiction on their own. And it's that's an almost impossible battle without, without people around you to support you. Yeah, um, and even even so, yeah. the fact that so many people often turn to those kinds of substances out of self medication, and she had she mm-hmm. had tied everyone up because she was afraid. She was trying to protect right. herself. Right. So yeah, yeah. No, that's fascinating. I think that that's a really interesting way of looking at that. Uh, and yeah, she is. It's a rough scene when she dies. Uh, yeah. 
And oh my I mean, it, it, it's it, it's rough. It's also from a filmmaker's perspective. Like, there's so many good effects in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's so many good practical effects. So many good special effects that are so seamless. Uh, some that certainly do feel much more otherworldly, but so many that just like, oh my god, that just is so well executed. Yes. Um, I wish they and had the whole bear sequence to me more. is one of those. Yeah. I do wish they had ragdolled her a little more because the part where she the mm. bear is slamming her up and down. It works, uh, but I think yeah. it could have been more of like sure. she's like head flopping and just like oh my goodness because it's overpowering her so yeah. much. But yeah, for sure, it's, I completely agree. That whole sequence is like fantastic. Yeah. The next person to go, <laughs> oh boy, uh, is Josie, and this is besides perhaps the ending. This is my favorite part of the movie. Mm. Um. Josie takes a very different approach to how she faces her demons or her trauma or whatnot. Um, and it's a very controversial approach, I will say as well. Mm. Um, she sees the horror, she sees everything, and she chooses to see the beauty of the way that the, the shimmer is splicing DNA and creating new life and transforming things. And rather than confront it or fight it, she succumbs to it. She allows herself to be overtaken. You have these really beautiful shots of like these little greeneries starting to sprout out of her arms, mm -hmm. uh, kind of from the same places that the cuts were yeah. uh, from her self-harm. And eventually she basically steps out into a field and allows herself to be taken over and turned into kind of a flower person. Yeah. Um, and a statue there. And... I think that I think this is controversial from the standpoint of you could interpret this as a glorification of suicide, of mm. a of a oh it's this beautiful release into death and you know this turning away from from the horrors of life and all this stuff and I don't know that you're necessarily wrong in saying that that's a part of the way that this scene plays out, um, but I also think of it as a as a as a comment on someone who has just been through such pain and such self-inflicted pain who finally finds peace and is able to surrender um mm -hmm. it's it's a tough one it's a tough one it's a it takes a very different tone from yes. the other scenes the music changes it's it's shot more slowly it's not frenetic it's not scary uh and and there is just a, I I find it to be the most controversial one because it I do struggle with is this somewhat of a glorification of her giving in mm. or is this f her finding peace finally? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a few things that we need to note about this. So earlier yeah. on when her self-harm is mentioned, we have not, we don't see the scars because she wears long sleeves right. through most of the movie. Um, yeah. And in fact, they, uh, another character, I think uh, I think it's um, uh, Cass who, who clarifies that she wears it to hide the scars. And mm -hmm. initially, and this is, I think this is a key point. Initially, Lena asks if it was attempted suicide. And mm. Cass says, no, I think she was, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, I think she was trying to feel, feel alive. I think she was yeah. trying to feel alive or feel more alive. Yeah. And I think there's something to the fact that it's, that she's the one who seems to almost uh, intuitively understand what what the shimmer actually is doing, and the word that she uses mm. is refraction. 
that it's altering yeah. everything, that it's a prism that's changing every bit of, a bit of you. And sh as you said, she starts to see the beauty in that. And I think it's important to note that in the oblivion that she succumbs to, she is alive. She is made up of life. Yeah, yeah, Flowers yeah. and yeah, plants. She's just different. Are, yeah, are yeah. one of the most universal symbols of life. And it, mm. as you said, it sprouts out of her self-harm. Life growing mm -hmm. out of her self-harm scars. And I think it, it, it is not trying to say that self-harm is a form of this. I think it's acknowledging that this is how some people use it. Mm, uh, that it that it is an attempt to feel more alive and more connected. Yeah. And she realizes like, oh, uh, this process is happening to me. I'm being changed. I'm being refracted. And I think she feels more at peace because the only reason we can see those scars is because for the first time in the whole film, she is comfortable enough to expose them. Yeah. It's like she, she yeah. becomes at peace with who she is. And mm -hmm. rather than try and like grow past that, she essentially succumbs to it. Yeah. Uh, which I yeah. still find, I find that scene uh, horrifying in its beauty, I would say. Because I, yeah. I think it's still very creepy and kind of ethereal and almost like, almost like a dark fairy tale. Because yeah, like very much. when she starts to get up and move, you're like, what is happening? And even as she stands up, you can see like weird veins floating, like mm -hmm. bulging out of her back. And, and as she slips yeah. away from Lena and Lena's trying to find her, she's always like for how quickly she's walking or how slowly she's walking. She seems to be much further ahead of Lena than she yeah. should be. Like Lena runs around yeah. the corner and suddenly she's on the other side of the clearing. It's like, what? And, yep. and then yep. by the time Lena gets there, <laughs> she's one of the statues. And yeah. you don't even, like, it happens so fast. Yeah, and, 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 you know, other than the camera kind of pointing us a little bit, you don't even know which one. Like, yeah. she just becomes part of the landscape. And I think that's a really good point about, you know, she, she you could argue that she doesn't die. She transforms mm -hmm. into a different type of life. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, it, for me, it's the biggest, it, well, the second biggest thinker moment mm. in the in the movie yeah. um because i think it does it does warrant a discussion and i think there's multiple ways to interpret it um and that there might be multiple correct answers to that as well so yeah. i i, I want to just pause and say like this is one of one of the reasons i like this movie is because it is a great example of what you bring to it is what it gives back this mm. movie is art in that respect in the way a movie should be art in that uh, you, your own experiences, your own life experiences, your own worldview will 120% color how you see this film. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay with that. It's very open-ended in a lot of places and, and lets you bring your own life experience to this film. And, and I think that's really cool. Mm, yeah. And actually, before we move on, I did want to highlight one other thing, which yeah. is that uh, after, well, two other things. After the scene where Cass is killed and with the bear, the revelation that yeah. the bear is now reproducing her sound, they've killed the bear, they've managed to survive, um, we have a scene where I believe Josie is talking to Lena about how the, the last, like, it's as though the bear absorbed, as you said, Andrew, as though the bear absorbed, yeah. as absorbed Cass's pain. In, its, in her mm -hmm. final moments, and that her pain is the only thing that survived her. is yeah. Her pain is the only thing that part of her that survived. Perhaps that mama bear, the, the, the mm. mama bear constantly crying out for help, endlessly, helplessly, 
is the only thing that survived her and how horrifying that yeah. is. The, the idea that your terror, that you're the fear, the pain, that's all that lives on after you're gone. Uh, and mm. I think that that's an important theme as well. The idea that she has been consumed by her pain. Um, yeah. And in a horrified way, in a horrifying, uh, painful way, um, in contrast to Josie, who is consumed by in more of a peaceful way. Uh, and also, yep. you all, and uh, the other thing I wanted to highlight is after the scene with with uh, Josie having succumbed, there is a scene where Lena is again thinking about her time with her husband and is just yep. sobbing alone in the woods because Ventress at this point has made it clear she doesn't really care about the rest of the group. All she cares about is reaching the lighthouse. All yeah, she she's quite about. the leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, there's a really interesting thing as well where the team is like, we need to turn back. I think even, I think after, I, uh, I think it's after... Is it after Anya's death that they say this? I, it, I, it's early on. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, it's it's after Cass. It's after Cass dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they say we should turn. Yeah. It's before Anya even dies. They're like, we uh -huh. should turn back. And Ventress is like, I refuse. I'm going to keep going. I'm going ahead right. no matter what. And they they turn to, to Lena and they're like, right, we need to turn back. And Lena's like, you're right, we do need to go back. And they're like, thank you. And she's like, but... Here's the thing. We're like two days away from the lighthouse, and we're like six days yep. away from the edge of the forest. So we might as well just so go to the lighthouse. So we might as well go and, in. Yeah, yeah and, follow, and then follow the, the shoreline to the, to the yep. edge of the shimmer. And I think one of them says something like, oh, so we have to go deeper in order to escape? And it's like, mm. interesting. You have to That's, go deep oh, into your pain yep. in order to overcome yep. it and get away from it. You uh, have to plumb uh, the depths. Yep. That's that's a great pull. I had forgotten about that line. Um, yeah, you can't run away from this. I, yeah, yeah. There's so much had, in this I movie. I just had therapy today, and that's like where my head's at. It's like, yeah, you got to go deeper sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's really really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is there's a lot in this movie. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, we have the oh, and after Lena has that moment, that low moment where she's crying and sobbing in the woods, mm -hmm. she has the Ouroboros tattoo. That's right. For the yep. first time in the film, the Ouroboros tattoo that started on Anya, then was also on the Fungus Man, is now yep. on Lena. Uh, Do you feel like there's significance to who it jumps to, or is it just kind of one of these like random things that just like everybody gets it eventually? Well, I, not everybody gets it. I think it has to do with right. like eat. It's it ha, well, it's I, the Ouroboros is the snake eating its own tail, right? Mm-hmm, yep. So, I mean, if we're following through, it, it could be, like, infinity, like, your pain never ends, you can't escape sure. it. Or it could be, like, a certain self-destruction. Self exactly, yeah. which is a huge theme of the film. Um, there's a yep. scene early on Self-annihilation. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> and Ventress even says, like, uh, self-destruction, suicide is very rare among humans, percentage-wise, whereas self-destruction mm. is extremely common, even if it's a mm. small form of self-destruction. You do something to sabotage yep. yourself or to destroy yourself in some way. She argues it's so common that it must be something that's in our DNA, that urge mm. to destroy ourselves. And she uses that to... Which... Uh, I was going to say... Yeah, which, that if you look at the shimmer, is something that pulls DNA out. Exactly. Then, then the shimmer will become self-destructive. Exactly. Uh, in its very nature. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's even why Cain chose to go. Maybe his urge towards self-destruction was triggered by the pain from his wife's affair. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's good. Uh, um, in interest of time, I think we need to jump to the end of this film <laughs> and yes. talk about about how this movie concludes uh, in a very, very interesting, very drawn out, very, this is where I think the most of the 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> comparisons start to come in. Mm -hmm. Big time. Um, but, but essentially Ventress and Lena make it to the lighthouse. Ventress ahead of Lena. And there are some beautiful scenes of kind of the crystal glass shards that have grown up uh, all around on the beach and whatnot. I mean, you, you come out of the deep forest we've been in for the majority of this movie into this beautiful kind of beach scenery mm -hmm. um, with all these crystalline kind of, kind of growths and trees and whatnot. Um, and Lena gets to the, oh God, I don't even know how to start to, to describe this. It's such a trip. She gets to the lighthouse and there's that fungal growth that we had seen with uh, the, the, the man who had his stomach cut open. A similar type thing has kind of grown, at least on the interior. I can't remember if it's, it's the, on exterior the exterior as well. As well. Yeah, it's all it's on the, the exterior building. too, yeah, of the lighthouse. But it's, but it's more monotone and it's more like roots mm -hmm. uh, than it is you know, fungus per se. But it's reminiscent of that. Yeah. And she walks in into this very kind of stark... Uh, kind of whitewashed almost feeling type interior and there's a hole <laughs> mm -hmm. in kind of the ground that she crawls through and finds Ventress there talking oh, to Oh, but something. there's one thing that happens before that that we, we mm, need to highlight. She sees a skeleton that is scorched oh, and right. burned and the area around yes, it is scorched and you. burned. And across from the yes. skeleton is a little video camera. She checks the video camera and it is footage made by her husband, uh, Kane, uh, in yep. which he he is he walks in front of it and then he sits down. And I actually wrote down his dialogue. He says, I thought I was a man. I had a life. People called me Kane. And now I'm not so sure. If I wasn't Kane, what was I? Was I you? Were you me? My flesh moves like liquid. My mind is just cut loose. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. And he then proceeds to take out a phosphorus grenade, tells yep. whoever is filming to avert their eyes, and to go and find Lena. If, mm -hmm. if they get out of here, to go find Lena. And they say, I will. Mm -hmm. You hear the voice say, I will. And he essentially commit suicide using a phosphorus grenade yep. and he is the skeleton yep. and as she's watching this in horror the person who is filming steps around to look at him get a closer look and then turns to look back at the camera and it's Kane yes exactly yep. and yep. yeah with so our first big reveal is that her husband uh, that returned to her was mm, not the same guy not her husband yeah <laughs> not the same guy not the same guy. Uh, yes, thank you. And so then she goes down and finds Ventress talking. We find out that Ventress's eyes are gone. Yeah, her but face not is just partially like melted out. Yeah, it's like melted over or like skinned over, almost like the like Keanu's mouth in the Matrix mm. or something like that. Um, it's super trippy. And is it? I'm trying to remember the specific detail because it, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen this. Um, she touches a, a bit of Lena's blood, right? Well, she she initially has, like, she's talking and saying stuff, and then as Lena comes yeah, down, yeah. she turns to her, and her face is suddenly normal. And she's basically right. like, um, I, I, I didn't write down what she says, but essentially to the effect of, like, 
it uh, it is going to it's true it is refraction it's already in us mm -hmm. it's going to keep yeah. refracting us into smaller and smaller pieces until there's nothing yeah. left annihilation yeah. uh, and yeah. as she we get the movie name drop exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's so like creepy and unsettling and the walls of the chamber appear to move and breathe yeah uh, and I'm gonna touch on this a little yeah. bit later at the very uh, close towards the end of the review but she then proceeds to start screaming as her body mm -hmm. glows and light flows out of her and it's like all of the life is flowing out of her as her body yeah. withers away into like particles of glowing dust and then it turns yeah. into like some sort of reflecting prism black hole mm -hmm. sun uh, black hole sun there yeah. you go uh, and there's <laughs> like in the center of the room and as part of that Lena has a little bit of has like a cut on her nose yeah. and some of her blood yeah. gets drawn into it yep yeah. and which I, which is very significant, because <laughs> um, again DNA, um, but that whole sequence of the of the prism refractions and the everything folding in on itself as Lena just kind of stares and gets like you know mystified by this, and therein where the score, warm, warm, yeah. like these just synthetic beats with everything is so iconic. Um, I mean, this is a movie that like if you want to take an edible. <laughs> And enjoy yourself, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Like this, this movie is trippy, and it is a visual feast in these moments. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this the sequence goes on for a while of of just her kind of watching this folding in and the, these changes. It's kaleidoscope esque, mm -hmm. um, and you're not sure what she's looking at, and she's not sure what she's looking at. Yeah, and then and then you see it zooms in on the blood that was taken, and you yeah. start to see cells, which is one of the first things you see in the movie when she's uh, showing when her she's students. set up as a biologist. Exactly, yeah. cell division. Uh, you see yeah. the cells start to split apart, and even that process is both horrifying and wondrous. Uh, until the, you yeah. see more and more and more cells. There's so many, too many to count. They're filling the screen. The screen, uh, the the camera zooms out, and you see a sort of like a humanoid oil slick being yep. standing yep. before her who was formed out of this prism prism this floating prism in the air formed out of her dna yes uh and this doppelganger being uh she immediately screams and is like nope and shoots it with her machine gun <laughs> yep. uh the bullets <laughs> the bullets push through the thing but then they like stop it's like the thing stretches to accommodate them uh -huh. and it appears to have just like dozens of tentacles behind it she runs upstairs she's like nope leaves the gun tries to escape yep. but she gets up there the thing is already upstairs uh yeah. she realizes she can't escape it pins her to the wall and just presses itself yep. against her and there's a very brutal kind of combat scene between the two of them mm. um that translates into a dance uh choreographed you know stepping in time mirror image with each other again when the violence does happen it feels very brutal and um but at the same time there and this is part of kind of the analysis that I've that I've heard of this film there's a case to be made that it's not a fight mm. that it is a mirroring of things and that the because because the big question here is is the shimmer violent is it aggressive yeah uh, or is it you know, or at least does it initiate or is it just responsive and defensive yeah it only ever um, it only ever responds it, 
Exactly. And so Lena's the one who shoots it. Lena's the one that fights it first. And it does fight back. Uh, I believe it knocks her out at one point. Mm -hmm. But then it uh, lies down next to her to mirror her pose yeah. on the ground. And curls up in the fetal position with her. Yeah. Which is, that is one of the most unsettling images in the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Like, this silver, oil-slick type creature just lying next to her. Ooh, yeah, so covered good. in scars as well. Like, it has all these grooves yep. and stuff as though it's been sliced into. Uh, and as she yep. stands up and it be continues to mirror all of her movements and mm -hmm. keeps approaching her, uh, it she reaches into um, she reaches into her husband's bag and pulls out another yep. phosphorus, phosphorus grenade and yep. hands it to the creature. In fact, she doesn't hand it. She holds it out and the creature reaches out and willingly takes it. And as yep. the creature holds her hands and this phosphorus phosphorus grenade, it transforms to look exactly like her, with mirroring yep. her facial expression of fear and confusion and pain. And yep. she proceeds to, she pulls out the clip, leaving it standing there and dives away. And mm -hmm. she manages to escape out of the room as the phosphorus grenade uh, goes off, lighting the being on fire. Though the being does not initially die, the doppelganger actually walks over and essentially yep. sets fire to the entire lighthouse and then as the fires yep. the flames start to consume it it looks almost like some sort of dark angelic being as it climbs mm -hmm. back down into the hole and the entire shimmer the source of the shimmer is consumed by flames along with the lighthouse yep. and from it's that self destructs yes it completely self destructs yeah. uh and yeah. all of that results in all of the shimmer effects disappearing mhm mm mhm mm and i think it's worth noting that at, when Lena fought it, it fought back and it knocked her and all this stuff. And as soon as, and when Lena wakes back up and stands up and goes with a softer approach and doesn't fight it, it, it doesn't fight her. And there's this very much sense of, um, I'm going to match whatever energy you're bringing mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, and, but I think also when we think back to Josie and whatnot, like Lena surrenders mm -hmm. a little bit. She stops fighting in the same way that Josie stopped fighting and, and, doesn't necessarily become one. I mean, obviously she gives the phosphorus grenade and the thing, you know, destroys itself. Mm. But there is there is an element of, of surrender and yeah. you know, it's that whole thing of if you if you try to hold on to a bar of soap too hard, it's gonna slip out of your hand. Exactly. If you hold it gently, you know, then you can hold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this is where uh, and I'll get into this in a bit. I, I don't know. Well, I'll, you know, I'm going to just do it right now, because um, we're talking about it. <laughs> so, we've been talking about how trippy this movie is. Uh, this is something that was not in the Dan Olsen video that strongly sticks out to me. I have never done hallucinogenic drugs myself. However, I have read descriptions of what it is like specifically to be on LSD. And a lot of the things yeah. that you that are described are, it looks like the environment is moving and shifting. Walls mm -hmm. appear to breathe. Your skin appears to shift and change. Uh, things will sometimes be where they shouldn't be uh all of those are elements of the visual style of this film yeah. there are moments where people's skin shifts visibly shifts yeah. even the husband saying my my flesh is like liquid uh that is something that yeah. we see from other people just their flesh moving it is visually uh a very evocative of an acid trip and i would go a step further yeah. the description that um dr ventress gives of annihilation the idea that your pain refracts you and refracts you until there is nothing left of who you are. Mm -hmm. That's ego death. That is ego. That is a description of ego death. I'm going to read you even yep. I, though I know that ego death was 
uh, I've listened to a lot of 1960s music, and I know that ego death was a huge part of <laughs> the the philosophy surrounding the taking of, uh, yeah. uh, especially LSD at the time. Ego death is a complete. This is the Wikipedia quote. Ego death is quote a complete loss of subjective self identity. The term is used in various intertwined contexts with related meanings. Jungian psychology, very important, uses the synonymous term psychic mm-hmm. death, referring to a fundamental transformation of the psyche. And yep. you know what else Jung talks yep. a lot about? The shadow self. Mm. A dark reflection of who you are <laughs> on the inside yep. that people can contact and face up to. Um, yep. that you are usually unaware of consciously, but it is always there. Uh, it's the part of you that you... And that's so interesting because Cain... Because as we know, there, or as, as far as we know, only two people uh, received full doppelgangers, you know, mm-hmm. in the lighthouse, and that was Cain and Lena. Mm-hmm. And Cain let it destroy him, mm-hmm. but Lena destroyed or helped her, her shadow self die mm-hmm. and in doing so was able to move past her trauma or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Kane it's as though Kane uh erased his ego uh and became pure id, whereas mm. uh Lena came to terms with her yeah. shadow self, her id, and left it behind. Yeah. And as a result yeah. that allowed her that dark side of herself, those those animal impulses that she had she is a being of primarily intellect, uh, and yet, yeah. she, well, actually, she's emerging because you could argue that Doctor Ventress is a being of almost pure intellect, uh, whereas Kane mm-hmm. is a being of like pure action and physicality. Yep. She is uh, Lena is both military and scientist. Yep. She is physicality yep. and intellect merged, and she and it's represented throughout the movie. She obviously has many moments of of intellect. She's also the one who guns down the alligator mm-hmm. shark, you know, creature near the beginning mm-hmm. she's proven to be very physically capable um yeah so yeah it's it, she is kind of that balance between the two yeah and actually there's one other line that i think is uh, key to this uh it's when dr ventress is about to set off on her own she says if i don't reach the lighthouse soon the person that started this journey won't be the one that ends it i want to be the it. one yep. that ends it and i think we see dr ventress yep. i mean she has cancer she has something that is growing inside of her when Lena finds her, the shimmer is already inside of her. Uh, yeah. The the shimmer consumes her. She is destroyed from yeah. within by her own cells consuming her. Yeah. And Lena can only essentially defeat the doppelganger when she realizes she can't run away from it. She can't run away from her pain right. and trauma. It's a part of herself. It's a reflection of herself. And yeah. only with that yeah. is she able to set it aside and move on. But... She's not the same when she gets back. No, not even close. Before we talk about how she gets back, the last thing I want to say about the Shimmer is, apart from all the psychology and all that stuff, this is just such a great depiction of an alien species Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming to Earth. Like, so other, so so foreign to our own understanding. I mean, this idea that if there are aliens out there that are little green men is is so silly because it's... 
my belief at least is that if there are aliens out there, they're so different from us yeah. that we may not even be able to recognize what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love this depiction of an alien species in this movie. Yeah, and I, I also wanted to throw out if the shimmer, if we're following the shimmer as a metaphor for trauma, the idea that trauma and pain mm -hmm. is functioning as essentially as like a virus that infects, yep. transforms, and assimilates uh, everything in Lena's world until she confronts her shadow self and experiences ego death. Very interesting. Mm. Very, very interesting. interesting. Just throw it out there. <laughs> so, yeah, so we finally come back to uh, our favorite Mr. Wong uh, and the interrogation. Uh, and we see that Lena has the, uh, has the, the tattoo. Mm -hmm. And there is just very much a... For me, the ending of the film feels very... Um, it feels open-ended to some degree. Uh, the first time I watched this movie, I was not 100% certain if the Lena that came back was the doppelganger or mm. Lena. And though, we, and though we see the doppelganger kind of self-destruct, there's a part of me that goes, they could have changed places in some respects mm -hmm. um, through that metamorphosis. Uh, and I, I think there's a part of me that still holds on to a little bit of question there of... You know, it's certainly not the same Lena that went in. Mm. She's at, at the very least, she's very much transformed and changed by her experience. There's a small percentage in my mind that says maybe it's not Lena at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like, I think what the truth is, is that the Kane that came out is Kane. Mm. He's just not the mm. same Kane that went in. He yeah. is a Kane. He is truly a, a kind of Kane, but he's not the yeah. same Kane. And in much the same way yep. that the Lena who came out of all this is a Lena, she is just not the same Lena that entered. Uh, and yep. I think that's why we see them as they embrace at the end, united yes. in their new world. Like the sh there's the shot of them embracing and the camera shifts to show them like through like this blue filter as if they're being like, mm -hmm. it's, and it's not like the camera shifts positioned, it's there in the holding area that they're in. There's like a blue, viewing area that we shift so it looks like they're yeah. they're now in like a slightly distorted version of their world a different version of their world and they are different beings and i think you see the the iris you see both of their irises are shifting similar to the ship yeah. and i think what we see there yeah. is they both have been transformed into new people by their pain by their trauma yeah. but they have come yeah. out the other side changed but still alive in some sense still able to move forward um, there's the, the only other notable use of song in the film um, is a song, I think, by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I think. I didn't, I actually haven't looked it up, but there's a, the, the part that says, uh, I think it's like, we are one together, we are two, uh, yeah, we are one together, we are, no, it's we are one, we are two, two apart, we are three together. I think is what they say, that it's like, uh. we together form one being when we are together. Our interactions form a new Helplessly thing. Hoping by Crosby, Stills, Nash is the is the, the name of the song. Okay, yes. yeah. And it talks about how when we are together, our relationship version of ourselves is one being. And then when we're separate, we are our own separate selves. And then there is, when we're all together, we are both ourselves and we are that other being. 
Uh, and I think the idea of like delving into the psyche, allowing other people to see who you truly are, affect you, how you affect them, the ways that you are combined and imprint upon each other and affect each other and maybe yeah. destroy each other and hurt each other. Uh, all of this is like, uh, I think what the movie is about. Uh, so I would say that's the, the only other notable yeah. use. And that's, that's actually used well, twice in the movie. The movie doesn't get into any major themes around parenting or whatnot, other than um, Cass's character um, losing a daughter. But, I mean, two people come together and have a child. Mm -hmm. That's a mix of their DNA. Mm. And I think, I mean, you know, I've been married for almost 13 years now. I mean, my wife and I, like, we pick, like, we are such different people now than when you would have met us 13 years Mm -hmm. ago. Not just because of life experiences, but because of the way that we've rubbed off on each other. Our personalities, our mannerisms, the little things we say and do, uh, the way we, you know, dance between each other in the kitchen, you know what I mean, as we're moving from one drawer to the next. Like, Mm -hmm. some of this stuff just becomes instinctual and, like, it might be a little metaphysical to say, oh, we've, like, you know, (laughs) imprinted DNA on each other, but there's certainly an element of of you know two people like they there is a there's a there's a third entity that gets created they're not just through children but just through that life experience mm. and ah I, I never thought about that in conjunction with this movie until just now yeah um but uh yeah 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 that's yeah i i completely agree um this do we want to very quickly uh, talk about the, the just touch on what we think of the technical aspects just a very quick summary because we have yeah because we've basically just been talking about the themes. yeah they're freaking beautiful <laughs> like this i mean you can hate this movie if it's too trippy for you or whatnot like the fact that this movie didn't like clean up mm-hmm. <laughs> in award season for some of the technical stuff is a travesty this is for my money one of the most beautiful films ever made mm. um horrifying of course um i don't remember i mean i think there's a few editing places mm where either pacing or, or spatial reasoning, you know, could use some help. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my money, I, I can't remember an effect that, fe- even in a, in a movie full of wild effects, mm-hmm. I can't remember anything being cheesy or taking me out of yeah, the or story. Yeah, fully, like, bad. Um, There's nothing that you... No, yeah. nothing's bad. It's so well done. Yeah. Um, I... Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the one, the one area of technicality that I will say I was not my favorite uh, is an acting performance um, I was not a fan of how Jennifer Jason Leigh played Ventress um, I she plays her with this very quiet kind of monotone like almost half whisper voice the entire time and this very just dour somewhat blank expression mm-hmm. um, throughout most of the movie I, it just kind of annoyed me <laughs> and I, I hate saying that because very talented actress made a made a you know a choice here with the character and everything and there's just something about it that like it feels too once you find out she has cancer it feels too on the nose it feels to me like someone playing a depressed person Hmm. um and i for for me i would have loved to have seen her try something a little different with the character it's not enough to ruin the movie by any stretch of the imagination but that's something that did stick out to me. Okay, um, I I actually interpreted it a little bit differently. I interpreted it as okay. uh, somebody who has no emotional connections, and is pure mm. pure intellect, like pure super ego, mm. basically. Um, because they even say she has no family, she has no friends. Yeah. Uh, she does not seem interested in making friends or having a family. Uh-huh. Uh, 
all she cares about is getting to this lighthouse and figuring out why why is this happening to me? What is going on here? Yeah. Um, but I can see where you're coming from. I I think it could have benefited from a couple moments of wonder, a couple moments of curiosity. Yeah, a, a little bit end. of Spielberg. I mean, she's a sense. scientist. A little bit, a little bit. You know, just something of like you know. Oh wow, that's interesting. Versus like, okay, I don't care. Let's just go. To the <laughs> I don't lighthouse. care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. That's just. Yeah. That's a very nitpicky. Even thing even me. a fascination with what psychologically is occurring to them as a result, because it's clear that it has yeah. a psychological impact. Yeah, but she doesn't seem to care about that, which I get. She's she's using this mission as a as a means to an end. Mm. Um, but there's a little bit of like, look, this is your your whole life and career. Like, it, and again, that may not even be the actress. That could just be the writing. Yeah, the that could direction. be the way the character was written in the book. And she's doing the very best she could with with that material. But yeah, that character fell a little flat for me. Mm. I would say, I like this movie. I think it's very well executed. I think it's really. I think for me, the visual aspects that are the best by far. Uh, first of all, I think the design specifically of the bear outstanding uh-huh. outstanding yeah. that is a so super good. well executed scene for something that could have just been weird it is weird but terrifying mm-hmm. and disturbing like it sticks with you that sequence um yep and of course the climax everything to do with the climax is like ah uh-huh. oh, yeah yeah okay we've we've decided to tee off on this scene this sequence in particular the destruction yeah. of everything to do with the shimmer and everything bursting into flames and the doppelganger self walking down in blue flames like some sort of uh, star in the midst of a, uh. an inferno of flames like absolutely gorgeous I'm right with you there I think yeah. that is an, a stunningly beautiful sequence that whole sequence extremely well executed yeah. my issue is I think parts I think the movie either could have been even trippier in aspect, I think we could have had, basically, here's what I think. I think we could have more striking visuals throughout, both in terms yeah. of camera angle, I think mainly in terms of camera angles. Uh, I, yeah. I would say, we talked about Kubrick. I think Kubrick with this movie, yep. you'd have had something on a whole other level. As good as Alex Garland, sure. as good a job as Alex Garland did, uh, Kubrick is a yep. master of striking imagery and framing people in ways uh-huh. that are just immediately memorable uh, and and beautiful while still feeling like bizarre in some ways uh, and very and yeah. very creative and effective. I think um, you give this to somebody like Andre Tar or uh, excuse me, um, yeah, Andre Tarkovsky. Uh, if you give uh, uh, this movie was actually compared to, I believe, Stalker. Uh, one of his movies, mm. you give this somebody like him. I think there are people. Of course, we're talking about some of the greatest directors of all time, so you know. Uh, but <laughs> I think yeah. I think somebody who is like a better visual stylist, specifically in terms of framing, could have taken this into another level, um, as well as sure. heightened like the weirdness and the like the. <sighs> yeah, there there are moments that are very strikingly framed, and then there are moments that feel not documentarian esque, but. Just, but very kind of voyeur-esque, just kind of straightforward, kind of like from the corner, kind of viewing things taking place. And um, I, I think that this movie has way more striking visuals and shots than a lot of movies out there nowadays. 100%. But it, I mean, I think it says something that, like, when you have content this good, you know, you can't help but, you know, oh, but could it have been 5% yeah. better, you know what I mean? And then truly been, you know, a masterpiece. I don't know. It's uh, That's a really good point. Yeah. Kubrick, for sure, would have been something to yeah. see this material. Honestly, I would have been really interested to see somebody I would have been interested to see um, 
oh, what's his face? Um, the director of Arrival and Dune and Enemy and... Oh, Dennis Denis Villeneuve. I would have been interested to see Denis Villeneuve, Denis. Denis Villeneuve take a shot at this. Yeah. I would have been really interested to see Fincher. David Fincher, I think, would have been a really interesting choice for taking a shot at this. Oh, no, I actually disagree. I love David Fincher's movies, but I don't know why. I just feel like David Fincher would have made this too clinical. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I would have I don't know that. I don't see David Fincher doing... I don't see David Fincher doing sci-fi and fantasy. It's true, I think is but, the, is the but I think he would have got. Yeah, but maybe. I, I think it would have been interesting. I think um, Darren yeah. Aronofsky might have also been an interesting sure. choice for something like this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look, this is not me trying to be like Alex Garland did a bad job. I think it's still a great movie. No. Uh, <laughs> you should absolutely check out. If you've listened to all of this and haven't seen the movie. Uh, <laughs> this hour and 13 long recording. Yeah. So go, go, go listen. Yes. Go listen to that. Go, or not go listen to this. Go watch the movie. <laughs> go, go watch, watch the movie. For sure. See it for yourself. Yes. Um, should we head over to the Flux Corp Capacitor? Yeah. Yes, Flux Corp Capacitor. Uh, let's take a look and see how many quarks we see. You want to go first? Yes. So I'm going to say that I see as many quarks uh, as there are the number of drawers in this room. Uh, so that is going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I see a total of 16 quarks and I'm going to award this film I'm going to award this film I think 14 and a half quarks That's out high. of 18 yeah. yeah I think it's a very very good movie it, I don't love it as much as I wish I did mm. but it like th there are some stuff that I think is absolutely phenomenal some knockout sequences and imagery in this film Yeah, I just googled uh how many sides to a prism and it says that a rectangular prism has 12 sides so i'm going to uh i'm gonna say that i see 12 corks uh in here because we're refracting things today exactly um, out of 12 i'm gonna give this a 10 um I'm, I'm pretty similar to you i i think that there's there's just i don't even really like it might be the cinematography it might be an actress's performances i don't know what it is there's something that keeps me from giving this like a you know 10 out of 10 12 out of 12. um mm. but i will also say there are very few movies that i would sit down and just watch the last 15 minutes of and mm. this is one of them like i i'll probably go pull this up on youtube after we finish this recording and just watch the last 15 minutes um for no reason other than it's beautiful and mm -hmm. so like it's, it's a it's a phenomenal movie yeah uh man i wish i wish more of this movie had music as striking as the last yeah movie. that could be it, it's it's that gestalt there's there there's some sort of je ne sais quoi that's not quite there for the entirety of the movie although mm -hmm. at times um at times it's it's some of the best cinema you'll ever watch yeah a hundred percent um, with that, uh, we have dispersed quite a lot of very meaty spoiler radiation. That was a big movie to get through. <laughs> yeah, this is, we spent more time focusing, I think, on the themes of the film than we have with any other movie. But that was fun. Maybe, I enjoyed except that. For, except yeah. for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I enjoyed yeah. that. This, the, this movie has a lot to say, and I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, where can folks find you on the interwebs? You can find me 
on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb One. That's Cobb with two B's in the number one. On Instagram at the Cobb Meister, uh, and I'm going to be on uh, start playing games pretty soon. Hey. So uh, if you wanna, yeah, doing some pro GMing for hire. So you know, go check me out. I think I, I think I'll just be Jeremy Cobb on start playing games. Uh, but if you if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me advertising about it as well. So if you ever what a if you're look if you like sci-fi and you're like hey this guy he talks well I wanted to hear what he sounds like if he's running a, a TTRPG uh, yeah come check it out uh, come come hire me to, play a to run a game for you uh, we'll have a great time awesome you can find me at Drew underscore Coons on the Twitters and you can find our little show here at Q Reactor Show on Twitter as well as YouTube uh, and Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. But on that note, we're going to exit the spoiler chamber. We're going to strip off these very sweaty hazmat suits that we've had to been wearing for the last little while. And we're going to see you next time on the Adventure Rising. So long, everybody. Bye.